I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good evening, all, and welcome to another Legends podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about the great John Barnes, Liverpool's own John Barnes. Um, I, myself, am a gigantic fan of John, of John Barnes, but my two guests tonight have probably forgot more about John Barnes than I actually know, so that's why they're on. Um, my first guest is my brother from another mother, and he's got some questionable taste in hip-hop. That's Joe Cousins. How you doing, brother? <laughs> How you doing, man? You're right. <laughs> I'm good, pal. I'm doing real well. And my other guest is my personal favorite football writer, and I don't mean that lightly. He is my favorite. Uh, it's one Carl Kopak. How you doing, pal? I'm very well. Thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me on. Very kind. Yeah, no problem, man. I wanted you. We've been trying to do this for a few weeks, and um, you got time. If you haven't already realized, I am an American here at my dumb ass accent. But these two gentlemen and the gentleman recording are all from England. So I appreciate that. So we're going to start with John Barnes moved from Jamaica to London when he was 12, uh, joined Watford when he was 17 and around 1981. Now, I've seen a lot of clips of John Barnes, but the problem is, is I was born in 1981. So I've never seen him live. And it's a big difference when you can talk to somebody who has seen him live. They can tell you everything you need to know what kind of player he was. So, Carl, I'll start with you first. He clearly didn't start his career at Liverpool. He started at Watford. Yep. What can you tell me about his Watford career? He was, to be honest, he was inconsistent. Um, he, he was obviously a talent. He was uh, a very athletic winger. And um, he tended to play well against us in that early Watford uh, when, when Watford were coming good. Uh, he, he tended to play well against us, but I wouldn't have had him down as a natural Liverpool player at that point. Not around, not when he's very raw between 81 and 84. Um, he was, yeah, I mean, he, he, he blew hot and cold, really. Um, obviously, the, we're going to come to it, I imagine, but the, the big moment for him was his goal against Brazil uh, at the American Art. And, um, but in, yeah, if, if, 
it was part of a Watford side, which is, is really strange because Watford were known as a long ball down the middle side. And yet they had really, really good wingers uh, and, and, and pretty good strikers as well. So it, it's it's a bit of a misnomer, really, that, that you know, he, he couldn't fit in that side because he, he was... He was he was fast. He was, his, his balance was fantastic. Um, but when he first came, he just looked okay. But he, he looked he looked okay in a sort of Jermaine Pennant sort of way. He might come on a bit, give him a few years. He might do slightly better. And I, I thought he actually went backwards for a bit, to be honest. So he, he was good, but he, but he was good in a very sort of. Um, and I've got to give credit to Graham Taylor for this as well, because you know he was his mentor, obviously. But yes. um, he, he was just. He was very good in a very good side, but you knew that side weren't going to last forever. So he was that sort of player, really, sort of like um, big fish, small pond. If it the way no. Okay. What about you, Cos? What do you remember him from Watford before he came to Liverpool? Not much, to be honest. Um, I didn't watch a lot of Watford back then. Uh, Watford, Watford were a good team, and the only sort of thing I remember from from, from Watford then was um, was was the FA Cup final against Everton. Um, cause, um, I don't know if you, if, if you'd know, but back then the league games weren't really televised. So you wow. might see, you might, you might see the odd, the odd, the odd live game, um, uh, the odd live league game. You wouldn't, you definitely wouldn't see, um, week in, week out football, but league matches. Wow. Um, the FA Cup was the, the big thing. All the FA, every, like FA Cup weekends were always televised live. So, you know, your, your latter stages, the latter stages of of even Liverpool games in the eighties sort of stand out in my memory more than than, than the league games. Um, so that that um, so so what sort of my overriding memory of John Barnes back then was obviously the um, the goal that Carl spoke about uh, in the Maracanã for, for England against Brazil, um, um, Everton the Everton Watford FA Cup final, and then other than that just 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 stats really numbers rather than sort of memories from actual watching him at the time. Um, and I mean, his numbers for Watford are really good when you look at it from a sort of winger's perspective. Um, it's like around about one in three. And what I've noticed just looking at his sort of his career at Watford is that he made his debut at 17 and, um, you can see a consistency, maybe not in level of performance week in, week out, but number of games. Um, so a lot of players these days will make their debut as a teenager. They'll be in and out of the side, you know, maybe play half the games in the season. But it looks as if he was sort of shoved in and relied upon every week to to, to play on that on that left wing week in week out, week in week out. Um, and he and he the, the the numbers look consistent in terms of appearances and number of goals. Um, but obviously, I I I I didn't get to watch, you know, the the his actual performances in those in those games. So I can't really comment um, on you know on how he played or. You know how I would have felt when Liverpool made the offer as to what sort of player we were getting. Um, bit of an, an unknown to me, really, because I only really started watching football properly week in week out from the season he signed, um, which was, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, which was sort of breathtaking, really, from from the beginning in in, in a red shirt. Yeah, let's 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 talk about that first season because he, you know, he leaves Watford in '87 and he joins. Liverpool and for nine hundred thousand pounds, which yeah. at the time that's a hell of a lot of money. You know, this is nineteen eighty seven. Now you couldn't get a damn thing ready player, uh League One player, lower than that, Sunday league player for nine hundred thousand pounds. And you brought up his first season. What was his first season like? I did okay. 
<laughs> absolutely mesmerising. Um, if, you, if you talk about about who we bought in the summer of um, of eighty seven, um, the money is actually it's all about Peter Beardsley. Um, John Barnes was the second signing, really, because um, we'd already got Aldridge in. Um, he's obviously looking at what going, um, and we wanted Beardsley for about two years, and it was just. I've said this on, on many podcasts actually about him. Peter Beardsley was the most obvious Liverpool player we'd, we'd seen before he started, you know, before he came to us. There was a, there was a game we played them in, I think it was in like January 97, maybe 96, possibly. Uh, sorry, 86 or 87. Um, where at the end, it was a 1 1 draw and Beardsley scored. And at the end of the game, Beardsley ran over to the cop as a Newcastle player and applauded us on the cop. Which basically just said, like, sit tight, lads, I'll be with you soon. I mean, honestly, it was, it was that, that much of a done deal. And that was 1.9 million, which was a record, um, at the time. 1.9 million for like a 25 year old Peter Beardsley is, is pretty impressive. Um, so when Barnes came in, he was really, really wasn't the marquee signing at all. He was just someone they wanted to bring in. Um, uh, I, I imagine just because Ronnie Whelan was slowing down a bit and all, all these going to be moved to centre midfield, but, they just wanted some pace and Kenny wanted pace more than anything else. So when we started that season, for me, my first thought was always, this is all about Peter Beardsley because he's number seven. He's, he's, he's just obviously going to be a number seven Liverpool player at some point and you know he's going to be great. And then Barnes just went berserk for the first three or four months of that season. And then Beardsley started to play better as well because Beardsley didn't start particularly well. Um, and it was like watching somebody else because he went backwards after that goal in 84. And, and so much so that when he was about to come to Liverpool, there was talk about him, you know, wanting to go to Arsenal and wanting to go to Tottenham and just going where the money was because they paid big wages and we didn't particularly. Um, and there was, I remember there being something like, you know, um, Arsenal come and get me, plea or something. And one of the, man, probably wasn't that, that rag to be honest, but, um, so when he got here, it was just sort of, it, it just like, it was, again, it was like Benjamin Penance. It was like, you know, we know he's good, but. He's probably, uh, Nigel Clough's a good example, actually. When we brought Nigel Clough, we got, we got him slightly too late in his career, and I just thought that was what Barnes was going to be. I should explain, by the way, I was 19 in 1987. So I was okay. just about the right time to get him. Yeah, and you know, you've, you've seen him live. I believe both of you have. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. yeah. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is, you know, this is two great people to have on here because, as you know, I could watch a player on TV, but you don't get that experience. You don't get to see how fast John Barnes was. You don't get to see the movement of John Barnes. You don't get to see any of that on TV because you can't pick it up. You know, I pick it up live. So, cause, why don't you speak about his first season? I mean, he really came on the scene and he, you know, he was fantastic. And then like Carl was saying, maybe we weren't sure that that was going to happen. Peter Beardsley being the big signing. And I believe they linked up with Aldridge and Houghton too, if I remember yeah, correctly. Um, um, Houghton came in October, I think. I might be wrong, but something like that. And Aldridge was there something before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're yeah. right. The, these, these were the days before transfer windows. So, I think you had Aldridge sign in, in the middle of the previous season, maybe with a yeah. few months to, to go. And uh, Houghton signed, I think, yeah, the, as you said, the, I think the October, November, um, after the season started. And uh, the summer signings were. Beasley and Barnes weren't, weren't they? Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, and it's, and it's interesting because a, a, a lot of times when we have discussions these days about, you know, uh, the type of profile of players that Liverpool sign, I mean, a, a lot of times they will say that we, we're not really a club that, that signs marquee signings. Um, 
but it basically was that mark he signed it was a rec- it was a british record at the time um 25 years old so peak years um you know and um england regular um i believe he he, he was he was starting um i think in the in 86 world cup wasn't he the yeah, yeah. striker oh, with Gary Lineker? Yeah. yeah so it, it was a big deal at the time um and 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 yeah john Barnes is like this this the secondary signing you know so i can see where there would be skepticism amongst the liverpool fans as to you know what he could actually do and it it was just fireworks from 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 the beginning um the first few games of that season are all away from home i think there was a problem with with the, with with anfield the problem with the stadium um well, and collapsed sewer on the cop so we we couldn't um so we had to play our first three games away from home there you go and he was great in all three games. So by the time you can imagine the um, the buzz around Anfield for the first home game um, with the team, I think the te- did the team win the first three games of the season. I think they did. And John yeah, yeah, yeah. really well in, in those games. So by the time the home game comes around, everyone's just buzzing. <laughs> and that first game, that, that first home game. Um, is it the Oxford game? Um, the, yeah. the first home game of the season, yeah, and, and, and he scores a really a great goal. Um, yes. And yeah, cool. that's just sort of the beginning beginning of the dynasty for him, really, for, as a Liverpool player. All right, and there's, you know, it's funny because we all hate Man United, and of course we're going to keep talking about John Barnes's Liverpool career. But one of the things I found really interesting in Alex Ferguson's autobiography. And hate him if you want him, but he is a great manager, so I can at least show respect to that. But he always respect he always regret expressed regret at not signing Barnes. How does that make you guys feel? So, so sorry, he yeah. didn't. He got Gordon Strachan instead. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I, I, I did something quite recently about the four 0 game in nineteen ninety, and he said Barnes was the difference. And you know, obviously, he could pick a player. Ferguson, because you know, obviously he, he, he recognised like Solskjaer as, as a third division Norwegian striker, and you know, and, and won European cups with him and stuff. So you know, he could spot a player, but um, it was different then because United uh, they basically made big money signings for pretty average players, Clayton Blackmore, people like that. You know, who aren't really Gordon Strachan, Jesper, Jesper Olsen, people who were just who were big names, but they, they weren't going to win anything. Um, you know, whereas we have people like Ian Rush, who, who's obviously just going to win things all the time, and Alan Hansen and um, Steve Nichol and then people like that. So um, there's a little bit of arrogance from Ferguson. You know, where I wish I had, you know, we should have signed him, but, but because I think, to be honest, I think if Barnes could have gone to Arsenal or Tottenham quite easily, but then I think that, that it was the Dalglish factor more than anything else because he won. For a start, he's Kenny Dalglish. Secondly, he's, he's he's already proved himself as a manager because he's won a double in this first year. And Alex Ferguson hadn't won a thing. Didn't win a thing. For, he started in November '86. But my memory's ridiculous. I think it's not that time. Um, and they didn't win anything for seven years. So Ferguson saying like, you know, I, you know, we should have signed him. Signed him for what? It, it's it's like John Barnes that they signed him for. I'm trying to give an example. Southampton. You know, they were they were sort of like a top six side. Yeah, um, yeah. And we were champions of England. Actually, we went in '87, but you know, but we were always like first or second in the league. What so, about you? Guys? How do you feel about that? Well, we, we were the most prestigious club, isn't it, at, at the time? So um, I don't know how attractive the Manchester United offer would have been if they actually it would have been put money. a serious offer for him. It would have just it would been, have been money, money, wouldn't it? They paid um, way. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have had the big London club sort of attraction 
um, if you wanted to sort of stay down south. Um, and you wouldn't have had the um, the sort of the, the recent success that we had at the time. So, yeah, I can't really see it. Um, but, you know, um, Ferguson, he'd have those regrets. I mean, he's mentioned um, not signing the likes of Alan Shearer. He, he never had a chance to sign in Shearer, but he, it's one of his regrets that he wasn't able to Gascoigne, get him. Well. Gascoigne, yeah, and, and, and there's a few. Um, but it just made me laugh. I, I, I read something um, earlier in the week um, that um, they decided to um, renew Jasper Olsen's contract rather than make putting an offer for John Barnes. <laughs> yeah. I found that really funny. Yeah. Um, but um, I mean, yeah, and, and finally yeah. enough, they actually had Beardsley briefly, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> which, which, so, which, which, which I remember thinking at the time. Well, he, well Beardsley's not going to go back to United. He just, just won't do that. And um, obviously, Newcastle had the you know Kevin Keegan, Terry McDermott. So obviously, he's got he's got low Liverpool. He's, he's heard stories of you know the club and and the way the way we train and how we get the best out of players. So we did it in those days. Um, so obviously, I think it's a pretty obvious link when he basically when Kevin Keegan, the great Liverpool number seven, says to him, "Liverpool are going to need another great number seven because that leash is coming to the end of his career." Then I think you know there may be some low level tapping up going on there because because obviously because Keegan was as Peter Beardsley's mentor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Barnes's first season basically Liverpool coast to the title for flying undefeated. I believe it was was it thirty twenty nine. Yeah, it's an incredible achievement. Barnes wins PFA Player of the Year. I think he might have been the first black man to do that. If you guys can correct me, maybe. I think so. I think I so. Didn't he, I think he won football. Did he win football writers as well? Um, yeah, I believe he yeah. won both. Yes. yes, he did win both. So he can't go anywhere but down. But he really didn't, did he? No, it, yeah. it, it, it's um, Alan Hansen always says about that season. You know, it, it, it's the simplest season you ever play because it's all I've got to do is give the ball to Barnes. When McMahon and 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 um, Whelan won the ball in midfield, give the ball to Barnes, and he'll just do something. And um, he was just streets ahead of, of, of anyone else on the pitch. So the closest comparison I can come with, up with in a contemporary um, setting is. The Liverpool Norwich game where Luis Suarez got four goals at Anfield, and he's wow. so far ahead of every single, including his own players. He's so far ahead of everyone that he's just you know when you know Suarez is knocking in forty-five yard volleys and stuff like that. And uh, and, and as I always say to Sash that one of my favourite celebrations of Suarez is when he covers his face and uh, laughs and shakes his head as if to say, "I don't know, I don't know how I've done that. I've no idea what I'm doing, but that's brilliant what I've just done." And if you can just imagine that game, which is the mo- probably the most exciting game I've seen individual in Anfield in a long time. If you can imagine that for 10 months, that was what John Barnes was like. He never had a day off. He was just on it all the time. And the only time he was quiet was when he was getting kicked to pieces to get two or three men on him. And then you're leaving Peter Beard with as much room as he wants. And he's the last person you want to give space to. Yeah. No, no, and that's, that's how a- dominant we were that season. And we should have, we should have won the cup. And it was one of those. Games against Wimbledon, where we'd still be playing now, we'd still be a goal down. Just nothing yeah, went right for us on the day. It's a bit weird. That's how football does that. I watch a lot of sports, but you really see that a lot in football, where people you, in multiple leagues, any team could be any team at any time, no yeah. matter who's on the pitch. It's that Wimbledon team had no business beating us that year, and they won one nothing. 
And well, people say about you know the, the, they weren't as lowly as people make out. Wimbledon was seventh in the league, which again yeah, is like yeah. Southampton, and Southampton will can beat Liverpool what they've done. Um, so it wasn't quite as low as like it just wasn't it just wasn't working. I don't know if it was a tiredness thing. Um, I, I was at that game. I remember it just, I remember a man passing out in front of me. It was that hot. And even when we got the penalty, everyone turned with me and just said he's missed it. We just knew it was just one of those. It just wasn't going to happen that day. So basically, uh, for you, every time every time Barnes would have the ball at his feet, it was almost like a get out of your seat moment because something's going to happen. Yeah, it's like Sadio Mane now, is, is, okay. is, uh, in terms of pace. But Barnes also had balance, and and he always says that that was more than his pace or his strength or anything like that. He said his balance just got him out of trouble all the time, and that's why he could go past people. Okay. So we all know, and I, there's a big elephant in the room with Barnes, and and I on this show I don't like to not talk about anything, and we all know what happened with the, the racism, um, having bananas thrown at him, having racial slurs said to him. I do give Philip Carter a lot of credit in that Everton game for basically shouting down his own supporters, calling them scum, because he, you're a black man who lives in England. You kind of have almost the same stories as John Barnes coming from where you came from, and I'll let you tell your story. But I don't want to say how does that make you feel, but how do you how if you put your shoes in your yourself in John Barnes' shoes, how would that make you feel? How do you deal with that with all those fans? It's um it it's tough to describe. I mean Barnes is more his background is is a bit different to mine. So my for example, my parents came over here from Jamaica in in, in the sixties. Um, John Barnes is his family moved over here in 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 the seventies. I think the main difference is that uh, Barnes's um, father was was quite a high ranking officer in 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 the army. So it's it's um, quite like a sort of a like a higher middle class sort of background. Um, he came over here in, in the seventies, as I said. Uh, went to a grammar school, um, you know, r- rugby playing school. Um, <laughs> um, not a posh boy, but um, uh, you know, a, a different sort of in, in, in environment to, to mine. Whereas, as, as it was more, of, mine was more of a sort of um, second generation Jamaican. Grew up, grew up in a council estate and surrounded by a sort of predominantly black area. So I didn't really have the experience of of um of racism growing up just primarily because my immediate my sort of immediate area were were mostly other black people but john barnes is is his situation was slightly different where i would imagine he was probably maybe one of the, the few sort of black people in his school um probably you know one of the few sort of blacks playing through his youth in 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 the youth team league so it probably it probably it, it, it sounds horrible to say but it's probably used to the abuse through, through the um through the youth ranks um you know from other players um i mean it, i can't explain what it would be like for you know to have like thousands of people uh, making monkey chants and, and 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 throwing and throwing bananas at you um the everton game in the cup that season if you if you go back and watch the highlights you can actually hear when when we score the winning goal, I think it's a, it's a Barnes cross and Houghton heads it in. You can yeah. hear you can yeah. hear the monkey chants when he gets the ball in the left wing, and f- for you to hear it so clearly, um, it's not just one or two individuals that are doing it. It, it, it it's it's thousands, hundreds of, of, and, and thousands of people um, that you know that, that 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 are doing it, and um, it makes you feel sick. Um, by that time, John Barnes is my absolute hero. 
Um, and you know, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's really upsetting. I mean, I think the most upset I've, I've got is, um, is, is when he's played for England. Um, and you get the press as well who, who, who sort of turned on him because he's not, he's not put in the performances they expect. So you've got, you've got the fans giving him stick and you've got the media giving him stick as well. Um, and, there is a bit of a racial element to the media criticism. I mean, I, I, I remember um, reading stories about, you know, him being Jamaican, so not really putting in the effort for England as he would have done if he was, if he was born over here, um, you know, sort of rubbish like that. And um, I remember a game against Holland where he got booed every time he touched the ball and then he scored a free kick and all of a sudden everyone was cheering. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and to be honest, I've, I've, had a sort of a sort of mild hatred for the England national team, but just because of the treatment that they gave John Barnes in his early days. And even now when I watch England play, I, I, I tend to want them to lose. And it sort of stems from that. Um, for Liverpool, the Liverpool fans sort of talked to John Barnes almost straight away and had love for him. So from that risk, from that, um, sort of respect. Um, they've, they've sort of tended to protect him. Um, I've been to a lot of, sort of a lot of away games, um, from sort of the early nineties and never really from a Liverpool supporters perspective have felt any sort of racism or anything like that. Um, but I can imagine from the opposition, just from watching on the TV that it was, it was rife back then, you know, and he, the way he handled it would have been, is different than the way I would have handled it. I think. I probably would have been a bit more angry at it and probably react more. Um, you know, um, but Barnes was, was, is more of a sort of a, very much a, a calm sort of person. He, even the way he talks about racism now, he, he talks about it from a, a different perspective than most other people do. Um, uh, more, more along the lines of you need to educate people and what have you rather than having a, a militancy about him. Um, and, um, he just took it in his stride. He didn't let it bother him one bit still put in great performances week after week after week. Um, and um, as Carl mentioned earlier, it was really consistent. So in away matches where sometimes wingers go missing, um, he'd be getting abuse. He'd be playing on the wing, so close to the stands and getting abuse. And it just didn't matter. He'd still, he was still head and shoulders above everyone else on the pitch. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of pride. He smiled. Um, that, that's the way the sound He just smiled at them. Yeah. He just smiled every time John came up with it. You know, you're not bothering me, lad. Doing what you want doesn't bother me at all. And that, that's, the way, that's the way he is today, isn't it, really? He, 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 he talks about very, very serious subjects, but with a smile and a sort of, you know, I'm better than this. I don't really, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you drag me down. That's, that's the What's way it? he. He, he didn't. I think because uh, the reason why I mentioned the um, the middle class up, upbringing, Joe, is that I think he he generally just didn't have it, an inferiority complex. So at no stage did I I I think did he feel, um, you know, sort of inferior to anyone. Um, he was so confident. You could see the way he played football. He was so confident in, within himself in his own skin that he wasn't going to let anyone anyone bother him at all. Yes, yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm going to read a quote from. One Peter Beardsley, who said at the end of the 80s that the best player I ever played with, bar none, the three or four years at the end of the 80s, John Barnes was possibly the best player in the world. Would you guys agree with that? I would. I mean, at the time, I didn't watch a lot of, I, I didn't watch, I didn't watch a lot of international football at the time. So I would, in terms of best players in the world, I could, I could talk about Maradona in 1986 as probably the best at, in the world at that period. 
But in terms of league football, um, I was only really watching English football. And for me, he was head and shoulders above everyone else in that period. So for between, I'd say, 1987 and 1990, he was the best player. Certainly in in, in the English game by and by far, like by miles. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Europe, um, not sure because I didn't watch a lot of, say, AC Milan, for example. You had Rudy Hollet van Basten and Maradona, as I said, playing for Napoli. Um, we so, were but, so we have know, and we were, were banned exactly. So we were we were playing in European competitions. So I know I, w- I wouldn't argue with Basley though. <laughs> I wouldn't. How argue. about you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of the league, there's, there's literally no one to touch him. Uh, the the only person who got close to him was the man who played next to him, which was nice. You know, that that that's a, that's a hell of a side if you can do that. Um, yeah, it yeah, probably was probably was the best player in Europe. I can't think of anyone who can really come close to him. I'm just, no, I really like Frank Rijkaard, but it's a different position. So, or you know, anyone who's in that that Milan side, um, sort of 1990-ish, um, and it's, it's my biggest regret that we never got to play them when we were at our best and they were at their best, because that would have been interesting. Yeah. But um, I can't think of anyone else because John Barnes definitely not. I mean, he was just street ahead of everybody else, and every single week, every single week he was great. And that's what makes a great player great consistency. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's already been brought up a few times, so we'll, we might as well talk about it. Is the um, his career in England? Now, in my opinion, I think John Barnes's Brazil goal is maybe England's greatest goal ever. Now, I don't follow England clearly; I don't really care about them. Um, but maybe some of you fellows do, because yeah, I heard your take on it. But his time with the national team—good, great, bad, indifferent—what do you think, Carl? Okay. Okay. I live in London. I live in London, and when I moved, I lived, I moved to London um, in uh, late 1988. And I was talking to people down here who were obviously England fans, and I wasn't sort of not really that into it. Um, and people who say, you know, as I talk about John Barnes being the best player in the win, you know, in the country, and what have you, and they used to say to me, um, "Yeah, but he can't do it for England, can he?" To which my answer was always, "He's just won the league for Liverpool." That's all I'm interested in, and it doesn't go anything beyond that. He was playing um, uh, late '80s, so he would have been under Robson. Um, it just didn't suit his style. It just wasn't really what he, he had. He had freedom at Liverpool, which he never really got at England, and I just wasn't bothered. I mean, there's a famous incident at um, uh, in 1994 when he's when. Uh, He's getting abused by the Wembley crowd, and, and Graham Taylor like turns and says, "You know, you're talking about a human being there." And 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 you know, Bardi was getting just something to stick with everyone. And I, I remember just watching that, and just thinking, he doesn't care, and I, I don't care if he doesn't score for England ever again. I just want, I'd rather he scored a goal against Notts County in a four-nil win than score the winning goal against Germany for England. Then my priority was always Liverpool, and that, and that hasn't changed either. I don't really care to be honest. And I, I, I went to Euro 96. I went to the England games at Euro 96. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I've gone from actively disliking England to just being completely ambivalent about them now and just watching them like said you, you... Sweden, you know, it's just, it's the same thing for me. I've got no, no feeling towards it whatsoever. And as long as Barnes was doing it for Liverpool, that, that's all I was interested in. Okay. Kazi? Yeah, my feelings are really similar. You know, um, ambivalent towards England. Um, I mean, I would have liked him to have played well um, for England just 
you know, for his own sake. Um, but, you know, England results didn't bother me really. And I knew he was playing great for, for Liverpool week in, week out. So I wasn't overly bothered. Um, but the, um, the criticism used to annoy me. So the criticism from, from non-Liverpool fans, criticism in the newspapers, as I mentioned earlier, you know, speculation as to why he doesn't perform for England, all that sort, all that sort of stuff. He used to annoy me. Um, um, and, and, and in, 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 in that respect, I would have, I would have liked him to, you know, to play as well for England as for Liverpool, just to sort of put people in their place, um, from that sort of, um, respect. But, um, yeah. Um, and as Carl mentioned, I mean, the, the style of play England had at the time, um, I never really saw them as a good side. Um, not really a good passing team like we were. Um, clever players, not really. More of a direct style, whereas we, you know, Liverpool played with, uh, uh, under Kenny Dalglish, a really sort of attacking, passing, clever type of football. And, um, you just didn't get that from England. It was, it was direct. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was long balls, win second balls, you know, play the ball out, out wide, get crosses into the striker, that sort of thing. Um, mm. so not really suiting John Barnes' game. Um, and I mean, if it's interesting because a lot of, a lot of players who, a lot of sort of stylish players, um, never really, never really did it for England. Never, never, never got the amount of caps they used to get or, or they should have got. And if they did, didn't really, didn't really sort of have sort of great careers of England. When I look at, at England players that have done well, I can think of Gary Lineker, for example, who was just, you know, penalty box striker. Chris Waddle didn't really have a great England career. I mean, we mentioned Peter Beardsley, didn't really have a great England career. Not that what his talent you'd think um, warranted. Um, other players, Glenn Hoddle, did he have a great England career? Probably not. Did okay. You know? <laughs> so um, I, I'd, I'd imagine if Barnes played for um, a Holland or you know a side like that, maybe he'd have been more successful. But in, in, in the England team, I think it was hard for a lot of a lot of players to shine. It was okay. just too rigid. I, th- I think that's wrong with it. And I'm, I'm really happy you brought up that Holland goal um, at Wembley because I watched that game and I really wanted England to go through because I, I, I genuinely think Grant Taylor was a good man. And um, I remember it was just, it was like a double celebration. A, England had scored, so I wanted England to score. And the fact... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That it was him. And the fact that he, that would have really annoyed some people because they always wanted England to win, but 
but not from him because he was basically the one that they wanted out. And that, that was fine. It was a fantastic free kick as well. It really was. And, and he, he wasn't great in 1994. You know, he, he was heavier. He was, he wasn't quite so mobile as he was. And it was just, it was, that was just a lovely moment. That's my favorite John Barnes England moment ever. Wow. How about when I never guessed that? No, yeah, it's just because it just rammed it down their throats and. Yeah, uh, mine too. Rammed it down their throats. I mean, he's getting abused the whole game, Joe. <laughs> well, it was which girl too, wasn't it, Joe? All in the press for like two weeks, it was, he's going to play him, you know, just because he was a manager at Watford and he's just, because Taylor was just getting abused constantly. So he's, he's going to play him, he's going to play him just because he's his mate at Watford and, you know, this man's supposed to be being the manager. Goes on and scores a goal like that. Absolutely fantastic. Love that man. So, Barnes won, what was it? Was it two division titles at Liverpool? I believe so. Uh, yeah. Uh, 88 and 90, yeah. And he won two FA Cups. He won the League Cup. They won the charity three times. Yeah. What was his, what, what do you, what was his, I know he had the Achilles injuries and, the, and I, and I know he had to basically reinvent himself, but again, there's a period there and this man is just phenomenal. 1990 title winning side scoring, but I think 20 goals, 22. Well, people talk goals. about 88, but in, in the nine, that 1990 season, and we're an aging side at that point. Mm-hmm. He was just, we played a little bit further forward and he was just, he, he was, yeah, he was, it's like one in every two, one, two and a half games, something like that. He's top scorer, he's, he's top scorer in the league, yeah. I think, in, in uh, 89, 90. He's yeah. 28 in all competitions. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, he scores more goals. He scores more than Ian Rush that season, which which is saying something because yeah. Rush was a goal machine then. Um, yeah. And yeah, as, as Carl said, he, he played he played further forward. Um, some of the other some of the other players who peaked in eighty seven eighty eight had just gone just past their best. Um, so Barnes is even more head and shoulders above above his teammates in my opinion that season. Um, and it's funny, we, we bring Rosenthal in on loan for a few months at the end, and Rosenthal is, is fantastic in, in the last couple of months before the end of the season and sort of gets us over the line in terms of the title. Um, but yeah, he wins, I think he wins, uh, I'm not sure if he wins football writers at this time, but he gets PFA player of the year that season and top goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just before the 1990 World Cup where, where Gazamania then takes over the country. But, as far as I'm concerned, in 1990, Barnes is the best player in, in the country again by a distance. Um, and a lot of a lot of people don't mention the 1990-91 season, where um, I think that season is where he gets a, a really bad injury the second half yeah. of the season. But it, yeah, he starts. He's his start to that season is incredible, absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. I think he gets like 12 goals um, in the in the first few months. We won. And, we won um, for seven games, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's when we, we beat we beat United 4-0 at Anfield, the Beasley hat trick. Yeah, and um, Barnes is is magnificent in that game. There's a game where we beat Leeds, I think five four at Ellen Road. Um, knows about that game. If if, if <laughs> anyone anyone listening, uh, if 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 you can watch extended highlights of that match, do so because it is it, it's something else that game. Five four yeah, Ellen. You love the first like... half hour, then you'll get grey hair by the end of it. Just... <laughs> by the end of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, he's he's great in that game as well. But he gets a really bad injury. I can't remember exactly where it is where it was. I think the second half of that season, he gets the bad yeah, injury. Was a, that is sort yeah. of the beginning of the end of the flying wing of John Barnes. Yeah, 
and uh, and and then Arsenal really really took off around that time as well. They won the league, and yeah, um, the yeah, and the, yeah, and that that's when he basically slowed down, really really slowed down, and that's when the weight came on as well. So if I ask both of you guys, and I hate comparison, so I won't ask you. We kind of already brought up the Mane thing, but what kind of player was John Barnes, and would John Barnes fit into the modern game? I know sometimes people hate that question. Um, maybe that's an American thing, but I'm going to ask you guys that anyway. One hundred percent. Because the, the balance he had, the close control he had, and the strength. Um, if, if you're not going to put him in, in a sort of modern setting now, he, Sadio Mane is the obvious example because of his pace, etc. But there's a little bit of Gene, Gene Wijnaldum in terms of physique in there as well. Um, very, very calm player on the ball, never got riled. And, um, yeah, it, 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 could he play today? Yeah, he, he, he played for anyone today. He was just that good. Bearing in mind, we had, we had some proper players around that time as well. And he was just streets ahead. Absolutely streets ahead. Yeah, I agree. Just, just at the athleticism, he was really fit, strong, quick. You couldn't get the ball off him. Um, very rarely, very rarely do you see, did he lose the ball in, in the dribble? Um, yeah, he he's he, one of he's one of those players that he could fit in in any area really. Um, I liken him. He remind when Thierry Henry used to drift out to the left wing for Arsenal. Um, he used to, he definitely he reminded me of John Barnes. I mean, Barnes wasn't as quick as that, but just the grace, the balance, the the skill. Um, and Henry is 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 an interesting um example, and and also David Ginola as well. So I think Barnes is like a cross between a David Ginola and a Thierry Henry for for, for people who have. Who have, um, didn't get to see him in his prime, but, but saw Ginella and, and, and Thierry Henry in, in their prime. Um, I do get, I do get the, the my name and comparisons. Um, there's definitely there. The, the, the ability to play wide, but drift inside and get himself in goal scoring positions is, is, I think, really, um, sort of close, close to what Mane brings. Not just, not just a winger stuck out, stuck out there putting crosses in, but very clever. And, um, working within the very fluent front three. Um, the, the Beardsley, Aldridge and Barnes attack is my favourite ever Liverpool attack because they were so fluid. I mean, Aldridge was a limited striker, but his movement was really good and he was a, he was a great finisher. Um, and that, that, that front three, um, yeah, I, I, I loved, I loved the three of them that season. Them, them three of McMahon were my favourite players, um, for, for, for a long time. The three of my favorite, four of my favourite Liverpool players ever, really. Love Steve McMahon. He was my favourite player. Absolutely loved him at my So would you guys put John Barnes into your top five all-time Liverpool players? Absolutely. He's my number one, personally. Uh, okay. There is bias there, but he's my... And I think probably maybe the age maybe the age um, thing as well, because you, when you're watching football as, as, as a youngster, so how old was, how old was I in 1987, 88? Uh, 10, 9, 10 years old. So I think you look you look at players more starry eyed then. Um, by the time I was watching Steven Gerrard, I was I was a, a, a more of a cynical adult, so <laughs> less 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 starry. Than that. I never saw Kenny um, in his prime. Um, so for me, um, John Barnes is my number one, but I can understand people who would have uh, Kenny above him or, or, or Gerrard above him. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm biased, but yeah, he's my number one. It's really hard for me because my all-time favourite Liverpool player is um, is a left mid sider, left midfielder, 
uh, and Ray Kennedy. So it's always difficult for me when it just comes up all the time. Like, you know, when you talk about who's your, who's your favourite ever Liverpool side, I'm not knocking Ray Kennedy out of any side ever. So it's difficult. Is he in the top five? He probably is in the top five. Um, but it's definitely in my top ten because um, for me, my top two is always Dalwish and then Sunes. Um and then Ray Kennedy probably after that. But um, don't get me started on Ray Kennedy. I'll be here for months. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know you. I know you guys have seen him live. What's the best game you've ever seen him live? The QPR game in '88, I think. Um, QPR were top of the league because we hadn't played as many games as they did. Um, we beat them for four nil or four one. They had David Seaman in goal bizarrely. And the second half performance we put in when Barnes got two goals, um, it was it was it was like it was like a man just taking the piss out of football. He was just absolutely everywhere, and they were kicking him to pieces or whenever they could. And you know, they they weren't a bad side at all. And he just smiled as he went past them. It was like Muhammad Ali when he knows he's going to knock someone out. He, he played like that. I'm just going to do this now. And it wasn't really arrogance. It was just sort of let's all enjoy me doing this. Um, he, he just he he had, he had Anfield in the, in the palm of his hand. He was incredible in that kind of game. If anyone hasn't seen it, just Google Liverpool QPR 1987, and it'll be on there. Okay. Full price. Was he? It's funny, you know, because um, Carl mentions that game. He was there. I felt like I was there because I've watched the video footage of that <laughs> so many times, and you just get sort of, you just get drawn into the atmosphere. The the, yeah. the crowd are chanting his name. The goals are just something else. Um, you know, I my first my first trip to Anfield was not until the late nineties, so I never I never get I never got to saw him um, during his peak at Anfield. I saw the odd. I saw the other way game in London. So um, I, the, the game that sticks out to me is I think there's a game in 1990, Wimbledon at Plough Lane, um, where Barnes scores scores a goal. I think we win one 0 I can't remember yeah. uh, uh, exactly, um, but he plays. You know, he's he's the best player in the park again, um, and I think he scores. Um, yeah, that, down at Plough Lane, um, and um, I've watched I've watched a, a few of a, a few of his games live in the mid 90s. Um, but by then he was, you know, he's, he's, he's the midfielder, John Barnes, which is the, the less mobile, so, so not at his peak. But my, my favorite performances from him, um, are from the, are from the TV, really. Um, okay. that FA Cup run, and it's a shame we, 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 we lost that, um, final to, to Wimbledon because that F, that FA Cup run in 87, 88 is magical. Um, the teams we beat, um, the, uh, the, the Everton game, the one I mentioned before, where, you know, the, he's getting racially abused throughout the whole game and he's just, He's magnificent. The semi-final against Nottingham Forest is great, and and then you, you you get the final as well, which I I remember that final like it was yesterday, and it's just it's just horrible. Um, I remember remember that cup run more than I do the run into the title that season, um, because I think because it was such a shoe in for the title, it was it was a formality. They didn't really show the games live in the run in, uh, which which is weird when you think about the sort of coverage we get now. Um, but um, yeah, my, my my memories of 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 him really are are through the television rather than rather than um being at the game. Um, but uh, yeah, it's that 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 nine eighty seven eighty eight season is 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 something else really. And it, even even watching just the footage, um, you will get you will get a sense of the atmosphere. Um, I think I had I had an old VHS video. I think it was um, Liverpool team of the decade or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 
We everyone has <laughs> everyone has that. I got, a, I got an offer eBay. Yeah. <laughs> and the rewind button gets absolutely rinsed. Um, for those, is that the one where, where it's got the whole of the forest game on as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the, it's it's extended highlights of that forest game. Yeah. The forest game is something else. I mean, Barnes is taking the piss to such an extent you've got the commentator laughing. Yeah. Um, it, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. I mean, words, our words can't do it justice. You need, you need to, you need to watch. Um, but I can imagine being, be, being actually in the crowd watching those games. There must have been something else. I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to bring up this, I don't want to spoil John Barnes's greatness by bringing up Newcastle or, or Charlton because that was much. No, 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 you've got to because there's one glorious moment in his Newcastle career. One moment when he was he was far too fat and slow uh, to, to play in the position that he wanted to play him in. Um, but Newcastle went to Goodison Park in the FA Cup and won one nil. Ian Rush, who also played for Newcastle, yeah. also far too old to play for anyone, scored from a John Barnes cross, and it was and they must they must have been about thirty five, and or they were playing like thirty five year olds, and that was just glorious. So, I'll, I'll there, go there, there are a few things from the, um, the, 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 the non-flying John Barnes, sort of the, the, the latter end of his Liverpool career that are worth, are worth a mention. Though. You've got the overhead kick at Ewood Park. I still don't know um, how that. <laughs> still don't know how he did that. Great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> you've got you've got the um the open goal he scores uh and it, it sounds easy the open goal he scores at the Dell but I think the, the keeper kicks it to him and he, and he does first times it. Oh, back into Dave Bessett, yeah. He yeah. went five yeah. points player that day because of that. Take notes, Alberto Moreno. That's how you um, that's how you put the ball in, in the empty. Oh net. yeah, first first time from the halfway line, <laughs> rolled it along the ground into the opposite post. <laughs> and there was also his goal in the first round of the 91-92 FA Cup win against Crew, where yeah, he back flicked back injury and he just back flicked oh, yeah. with, his, with his ankle. We yeah. were three something at the time already, but um, it was just that he hadn't played much before that game, and he yeah. just comes in. And just, it's like it's like lads, I'm back. He's already yeah. heavy other, but you know, but man, lads, so the magic. The magic was still in the feet, and also as as well, what was great? Do you remember the fourth goal um, in the four three against Newcastle? The first four yeah. three, you had rush. It's like rush Barnes, rush Barnes for about five minutes, and then um, and then and then the Barnes pass to Collymore. Pass the ball, Jesus! Even now you're like pass it, pass it, yeah. Collymore. I must, I must have missed it. I'm still frustrated. <laughs> Eventually, they get the ball out to him, and he buries it. Uh, that was a, that, that was that was something else that game, um, and so yeah, so the, the the magic was still there in the feet. Obviously, the, the pace the pace was gone, and um, you know he, he wasn't getting he wasn't getting away from players anymore. And um, it, it, it's it's so, so. I remember the last season where uh, we kind of um, we were in a good position. It was ninety six ninety seven. We were top of the league for a long time that season, and then we just drifted away and ended up finishing fourth or something like that. David James against Coventry. Oh God, yeah. And the overriding feeling was that we didn't have enough steel in in, in the centre, in the middle of the park. We had Redknapp, Michael Thomas, and Barnes playing midfield roles, and um, all similar players at that at that time. You know, ball players, passes, not really good defensively, not really good in the tackle. But he, he, he brought um, well. Redknapp was out, wasn't he? he, he brought, Thomas played. Yeah. And uh, then Redknapp came back again, and Jamie Redknapp couldn't tackle to save his life, and Michael Thomas was born to it. 
and Evans Evans replaced him. And then we just felt, you know, I think we were on beam from like 19 league games or something like that. Yeah. And reading that back in centre midfield with Barnes and suddenly. I preferred, yeah, I like the Thomas Barnes partnership you know, actually. When, yeah, because yeah. they worked really well together. One could pass, one could tackle. Yeah. Really so, but, then we got, but then we decided to get rid of Barnes and bring in Paul Ince. And, um, that was, that was the sad moment because, um, he didn't get, he didn't get his, his testimonial season, which would have been no. the following season. Um, and yeah, he was off. It was really, so we, I can't really remember any, any sort of long goodbyes, um, towards the cop or anything like that. I think it was all sorted in the summer and it was sort of, sort yeah, well, yeah. Um, it's made his debut at Salah's Park. I went to that. And, um, I wanted, we, we all wanted Paul Ince to come in because we thought, you know, we, we can't attack him in midfield, you know, we, we need to do this. And Barnes was, was, was far too heavy at that point, you know, he really shouldn't be playing for about a year or so. The injuries had just got too much for him. But I remember when, when the day came out, opening day of the season, and it was so hot at Sellers Park, and Ince led the side out as captain, and everyone near me went, didn't know he was going to be captain. We don't, we look, you know, because of the United connection, that's got quite a controversial thing. And we were like, we were, we were all sort of like, you know, yeah, we're, we're glad that you're here because, you know, you, there's rumours that United wanted him back. But not as captain. No, you're, not, you're not taking a captain of John Barnes. You can take yeah. a position, but you're not taking a captaincy. And obviously Barnes had gone to Newcastle by then. So and do you we, guys think when, when Arsenal won the title that you think Barnes uh, cost them that? What was that, 87? 80? 88. When when he lost possession and it came down and Michael Thomas, that, I mean that that was my sour note. I was I was bringing about talking about it. Oh, okay. Ago. Do you guys feel that that was? I mean that's basically the title decider. And yeah. Um, there's no blame to him We we played some we played a ridiculous because of Hillsborough we played a ridiculous amount of games and um my my dad was an Everton fan and he, and he said to me if Liverpool had to win that game 2-0 they would have won 2-0 but they didn't know how to defend 2-0 because Arsenal had to win 2-0 to win the league um, and we didn't know what to do when we went onto the pitch because we're not really the sort of side who just thinks we're just keeping 0-0 and win the league and so my dad always said if Liverpool would have had to win that game 2-0 we would have won 4-0 because that's what we were good at no there's no blame but to be honest I hadn't even thought there was him who lost the ball to be honest they, they were just exhausted we just done the cup final we played West Ham about two days earlier, something that week, two or three yeah. days before that. Yeah. And yeah, we we just we and the the emotion of Hillford and stuff like that. And some some of those lads didn't want to play. So um, uh, Arsenal deserved the league as well. Arsenal were just a really really good side. So no one no fault in there. About you, uh, there wasn't there wasn't really a there wasn't really a narrative around um, John Barnes losing the ball, you know. Um, so it wasn't really a thing. You know, the, the, these things sort of turn into a, a narrative when, you know, media get involved, begin to start a story on it with a few fans, um, you know, as it is these days. You know, it's quick, a story develops relatively quickly. But back then, I can never really remember anyone actually saying, oh, bloody hell, Barnes lost the ball there. What the hell was he no, doing? I, I didn't um, even know that happened, to be honest. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Um so um so no that wasn't that 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 really really wasn't wasn't a thing but um I I do remember the run into that season though and um we we were, had a poor sort of first half of this uh, first half of the season we were miles behind Arsenal um we'd say I don't know around 12 games left and we put in a really a really good run so you had the FA Cup run obviously led to you know the um, tragedy of, of Hillsborough so we were really good in the FA Cup and we were starting to win every week in the league really building up some good momentum 
and we were slaughtering teams. Um, I think we beat West Ham. Was it five one or something like five, that? One. Yeah, um, and this was like three games before the Arsenal game. So I I I, I agree with with, with with what Carl's saying there. If if we had to um, if we had to win that two 0 I, I think we would have um, to to win the title. Um, but it was such a, a a change up. I mean, we were playing catch up for for weeks and weeks and weeks, knowing we had to go into games and, and win to have any chance. And just that change in mentality where. We knew that, you know, a, a two, a, like a defeat, a one goal defeat, and we would have won the title. I think, I think that sort of the mentality of that, I think, caused the, um, caused the, um, that, that, that sort of freak result. And I call it a freak result because losing 2 0 at Hanfield, um, back then was very rare. Um, yeah, it's it, similar vibes in that game to the, um, to the FA Cup final against Wimbledon where, you just couldn't, you couldn't really put your finger on why the team just didn't perform. They played great leading up to the, the, the big game and then the big game comes and, you know, don't really. Well, they were good as well. I think that needs saying. Arsenal were really good. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is true. They were a really good side. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, 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 the Arsenal title winning side in 1991 is an underrated team as well. No yeah, one really talks about that team, but I think they, they, they lose one game that season. Yeah. Um, they were a really good side that season. Um, and uh, yeah, that that George Graham, the George Graham um, Arsenal era, sort of it gets a bit swept under the rug these days. Maybe because of the uh, the scandal that sort of finished his career at Arsenal. But yeah, it's worth saying that they were a really good side in that 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 era. Okay, so we talked about how great of a player he was, and I want to move into his managerial career. Now, most know that he was very unsuccessful uh, unsuccessful at Celtic. Uh, he tried the Jamaica team, which he did have success there, and then Tranmere. I believe that was in 08 or 09 his last time. Do you guys feel that he deserves another shot? And if you do, do you think race plays a part in it? Whether he gets a job or doesn't get a job, because it's sort of the same way in America that we have what's called, you guys know, most of you guys know what the NFL is, it's football. We have what's called the. Yes, Rooney Rule yeah. said perfectly, and they have to at least hire or excuse me, interview black candidates. So, what do you guys feel? Does he get shafted here, or does he legitimately not deserve a second chance because he wasn't a good manager? I think it's very hard to be Celtic manager and not be successful. Um, I don't think that's a race issue as such. I think it's just he. It just wasn't for him. I don't think he's got that sort of temperament be a manager um, I've been seeing him talk a few times and I think sometimes he's just a bit too nice to be a manager I, I would have said that when he was playing to be honest it's, it's just I don't think it's really him um, I remember there's a book called by a man called Pete Davis called All Played Out about the 1990 World Cup and there's a really interesting interview with Barnes and he was, he was absolutely prime Barnes at this time and he said the problem I've got is I'm lazy but I'm good but I'm lazy and um, I don't think he, I mean, I could be completely wrong on this, because wasn't Jason McAteer involved as well, in one of those clubs as well. Um, I just don't think he, he's the sort of, he, he's got it in him. I don't think he's got that sort of, that drive really to, you know, to, he's great at looking after himself, but I think some would look after it at people around him. I think, I don't think it's, it's his strength really. Yeah, That's Mac- just my McAteer stood up on the tramway. Yeah. What about you, Carl? Um, I remember when um, 
Barnes was first trying to get into coaching and he was complaining. Uh, most of his complaints were about not getting interviews, um, sort of right into a lot of applying for a lot of, of a position and not even getting replies. So from that respect, you know, um, you could say, you know, you, you, you could, you could say maybe, maybe race had, had sort of an impact there. Just, just the feeling among, cha- among chairman. And it's, it's a subconscious thing really that nah, he's not really going to be a good manager. Um, just sort of based on the fact that, you know, you just don't, at that time, you just don't really get, um, um, um good black managers. So maybe that's the, um, the, the, the perception. I don't know, but he did have a really good opportunity at Celtic though, because Doug Leach was director of football. Yeah. Um, and obviously yeah. they're really good friends and, and had that connection. So he gets, he gets his big chance there, but it just, it, it doesn't work. Um, whether he, whether he didn't get long enough, I don't know, because he was sacked very quickly. I mean, he had the, that that the the terrible defeat against was it Inverness Caledonia and Thistle, yeah. um, yeah. in, in was it in the cup or in, in the I think they get knocked out of the cup, yeah, and, um, cup. yeah, I mean he was in the hiding to nothing really because from the beginning I don't think the Celtic fans liked the appointment, and um, you only needed a few bad results for it to really turn against him, and um, and yeah he he was he, he was his position was was untenable after a bad start. Um, well, also, it's his first job. Yeah, but I mean, how do you turn it down though? Because you might, yeah, not ever, yeah. <laughs> and he's never, he's never got an opportunity anywhere near as big as that since. Um, second, no matter what happens. Yeah, yeah. The lowest finish is second. So yeah, he exactly. he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't see out the season, and after that, it's 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 lower league clubs, isn't it? It's um it's right into. Lots of clubs trying to get interviews, not not getting an interview. And maybe if we had a Rooney rule, he might have got more chances to impress chairman, you know. Um, but it, it didn't it didn't work out. I must say, I've I've never I've not been overly impressed with the way Barnes talks about the game. Um, you know, some pundits you listen to talk about football and you think, hmm, it's really interesting there. Barnes not really. I mean, Barnes talks a lot of sense about a lot of issues. When he talks about sort of ta- from a tactical perspective, I've never really been one to sit up and take notice. Um, whether 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 that sort of says anything, I don't know. Um, that that might not really say anything about what you like in the training ground with players. Um, but um, no, I mean, and and at the moment, I think it's been so long that he's been sort of he's managed in the game that you know, the likelihood of him getting a chance now is um, is is remote. I mean, you, you get people like Brian Robson, for example. Who is does Brian Robson manage at the moment? Um, mm-hmm. I've not heard of him for a long time. They, they, you do have mm. a number of people who have been managers in a in a in a particular period of time, and then you just not you, they just don't get associated with a, with a coaching role for years. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of another example. Um, Roy and, Evans, uh, Roy, yeah, Roy Evans, um, and he, Doug Lewis, for example. I mean, after is it after Blackburn? No, after Newcastle. Um, he has that is it ten year gap between then yeah. between then and then and then coming back to Liverpool and then leaving Liverpool. Um you yeah. you, you couldn't you didn't really think of Doug Leach being a manager elsewhere. No. Um so so yeah, I I would be surprised if, if, if Barnes I think that, that ship has sailed now for him. Um okay. unfortunately. He's got he's got his he's doing his tours, isn't he? With Jim and uh, and the five time club. He's happy doing that sort of thing now. He's more of an actor than a circuit man. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. But listen, before I let you guys go, I put together a little fun quiz. We'll see who wins this. Um, I know we've been having a real nice chat, but 
my first question is, and anybody can answer. There's no, I'm not going to go back and forth to one of y'all. So we both, we all know that John Barnes scored his goal against Oxford United. Beautiful free kick. But what minute did he score that goal? <laughs> it was the second half. 52 minutes. Okay, Carl says 52. Kazi, what do you got? Oh man, I'd defer to Carl. I, I'd be, I'd be completely guessing. Uh, do you want me to, do you want me to just give you a number? Just give me a number, man. Yep. Uh, all right. Um, uh, 65. Okay, Carl was closest, but it was actually in the 37th. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, second, how many total goals did he score for Liverpool? There's over 100, wasn't there? 102. No, not not over a hundred. Eighty-four. That is dead on. Really? <laughs> Eighty-four is dead on. Okay, that was a genuine guess. Uh, that's a hell of a guess. <laughs> um, the next one is how many did he score in his total career? Club, obviously. We're not talking. You know, we're talking club. So that's Watford, Liverpool, Newcastle, Charlton. Uh, hundred and seventy. I'll go very one. that close is it? Yeah. Okay. One six eight. I don't know. It's actually one fifty five. So. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my last question is you some of these may be maybe tough, but I think you guys have got this, so it's a two part answer. So John Barnes lost four FA Cup finals in his career. Name the teams he lost to and the years that he lost. Um, Everton, eighty-three, eighty-four. Yes. Uh, Wimbledon, eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Yes. Uh, oh, United. Then he passed aside in in ninety-nine. Yeah, he did oh. play. Uh, yeah, the Newcastle side is right. Um, ninety-eight. 98 sorry, ninety-eight against Arsenal. Right. Ninety-eight, That's ninety-nine right. against Arsenal. Oh, ninety-seven, yeah. ninety-eight against Arsenal, and then yeah, the 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 cream suits. The cream suits, unfortunately. Ninety-six. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Against the Again. Yeah, there it is, boys. Good work. <laughs> that final, that, that that's another letdown where we play great leading up to a final and the big game comes and we, um, yeah, for whatever reason, we don't put in a performance. Well, nor did they, which is even more frustrating. Yeah, it was a really weird game, that. Yeah, it was terrible. It was both terrible. All right, gentlemen. So I know we've been recording for a while and uh, I really appreciate um, anyone going to learn a hell of a lot more if they listen to this, especially... Younger people who only know the name but have never seen a damn thing or know really much about John Barnes. But before I let you go, do you have any plugs? Um, Carl, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, probably several. I've got two books. One is a novel called and What Do You Do, um, which is £2 on Amazon. And I wrote a book with Sasha Crani called We're Everywhere Us uh, about in 2015. And just basic various writing on the outfield index and the outfield rap. Beautiful. Kelsey, what about you, man? I know you just did a podcast, but you probably got other stuff <laughs> coming up. Yeah, um, I got the... Uh, we're going to do a, a film review... Pot. Well, not a review, but this, we're going to have a chat about Coming to America. Um, that great comedy, Eddie Murphy. Um, and, and that's going to be with Joe Simpson and, and, and Harinda. Um, really? Probably, when? Next, probably next week. Probably next week. Nice. Um, 
yeah, that that one's been that one's been delayed a couple of times um, through no one's fault really, just through the circumstances. Um, and um, and yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna have that um, probably next week. We'll, we'll record it, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that because um, <laughs> one of my all-time favorite films. It was on a few. It was on a few days ago. I, I think I know every single word of that film. Yeah, I I, I probably know off my heart. <laughs> What's yeah, that a that, million times? That is a, a great film. Um, I myself am I am going to record another Legends podcast uh, in a few days. We are doing well. You know what? I'll leave it up for surprise, but it'll be another big big footballer. But again, appreciate you guys coming on, staying up late. Um, big shout out to Guy Drinkle. I'm staring at your picture on my Skype. You're smiling. I still hope you're smiling right now, pal. I really appreciate you not only recording but editing because I know that is not an easy job. So from me, my guest, and Mr. Drinkle, you guys have a good night. Up the Reds. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.